Are you ready to go off script? Let's see how the Bible challenges the roles the world has written for us. Last week, we looked at stewarding your body. In this episode, we focus on a phenomenon that has been growing over the last couple of decades, tattoos and piercings. What was once seen among sailors, bikers, and soldiers is now rampant among celebrities, athletes, and countless others. What's a Christian to do? Should we go with the flow? Does the Bible condemn tattoos and piercings outright? If tattoos are okay, how should we figure out what is appropriate and godly versus what is inappropriate and sinful? In this off-script episode, we discuss these questions in an effort to set aside cultural bias and think biblically about tattoos and piercings. This is part three in our series on stewardship. Here now is Offscript episode 32, Stewarding Your Image. Hello and welcome to Restitutio, everyone. Today we're talking about a very interesting and culturally relevant subject, actually two subjects, tattoos and piercings. So what we want to do is look at any relevant scriptures on the subject and then see if we can't arrive at a Christian point of view as we ourselves try to think through this subject and you also try to think through this subject. And so our goal here is to be biblical, honoring to God, and fair-minded in our conversation today. The one place that talks about tattoos relatively clearly in the Bible is Leviticus 19.28, and it says, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead, or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Just before that verse, the commandment is not to round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. And just after that verse, it says, do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute. So this... <laughs> Covering all the bases. <laughs> yes, yeah, like no sideburns and don't make your daughter a prostitute. And anyhow, what I'm saying is this one verse, Leviticus 19.28, is in a list of several different commandments that relate to different subjects. In other words, there's not here a context that's really going to help us understand what the um, what's in view here. So it's just like a, a verse really by itself. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. And uh, the reasoning is like, because I said so. So... <laughs> There are two things to consider here. First of all is what the potential cultural context might have been. And then two is covenantal theology. For example, the, the verse before about running off the hair on your temples or trimming your beard, basically, marring the edges of your beard. This is something that I don't know of any Christian group other than law-keeping groups like the Seventh-day Adventist, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they keep that. Maybe they don't. But generally, Christianity says the laws contained in Leviticus were for ancient Israel in that time, in that place, and that these have been fulfilled by the coming of Christ, and therefore we are under a new covenant today that does not include the specifics about living this particular way. Now, holding that to one side, let's go back to the other side for a moment and talk about the potential cultural context. Do you guys have any insight on that? 
the cultural context of just tattoos in general. Yeah, like in ancient Israel, why would this have been forbidden? I think context-wise, a lot of the cultures and uh, peoples that were surrounding Israel, that was part of their worship was to was to cut themselves in deference to their God and to prove to their God that they're willing to go through all of this pain and suffering for them. So I think part of that commandment in Leviticus 19 is God is saying, I don't want that. That's not how you worship me. It's interesting. Uh, We do see pagan priests cutting themselves, in fact, in the account of Elijah and the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel. Yes. And I think this uh, God giving his people this mindset that they don't cut themselves, I think adds greatly to the integrity of Christ's sacrifice because it's never your blood. It's the sacrifice of an untainted animal as God requires. And then it's the blood of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. It's never your blood. There is no, at no point where, uh, where God would ever lead you to believe that your blood um, can atone for the sin of your soul or can uh, change God's opinion or God's mind or get his attention in any way. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. That's where, a really interesting point, yeah. Yeah, where it was their blood that, that they were sort of mm-hmm. sacrificing. I feel like it makes sense, though, like the nations would do something like that. I feel like you would want to show remorse, like you would want to get God's, your, your God's attention. God protects the people, obviously, from infection and from scarring and from yeah. the pain associated. I mean, your pain, w- your scars um, would be a permanent record of that pain. God protects his people in a sense, but also protects them from the illusion that they are able to save themselves or t- to atone for their own sins. Yeah. The expositor's Bible commentary comments says on verse 28 that there was verses 27 and 28 that there was nothing morally wrong with cutting the hair or the beard or with tattooing but these practices then and also now in some places were parts of heathen ritual so they're agreeing with you dan now this what this means is that there's the command the black and white rule which says don't get a tattoo and then there's the reason for the command in other words this was a practice in other cultures around israel associated with idolatry or associated with i guess memorializing the dead and i think it would also be associated with health issues i mean earlier i believe in the old testament god talks about the importance of circumcising on the eighth day and that was to minimize the chances of infection and complications from getting circumcised i'm sure god doesn't want his people to be cutting themselves with their ignorance of infection and all of the you know microbial problems that that presented in that day in a world without antibiotics, if you're right. trying to protect the people, you can just make a blanket rule that says, hey, don't get tattoos, don't cut yourselves because there's a risk there. Yeah. Um, but then he does have circumcision, so that's interesting. Let me put up before you a scenario. I remember this so vividly. I was at this funeral over in Schenectady, and uh, it was a dear sister here at the church that died. This is maybe 10 years ago, maybe less. And... Uh, some relative, a young lady, was there, and she was wearing a dress so you could see her back, and she had gotten the name of her aunt tattooed mm. on her back. And I was thinking, my this verse like flashed in my mind because mm-hmm. it says, don't tattoo yourself for the dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, is that what this is talking about? That you know, somebody who you love dies, and then you get a tattoo of that person's name, to basically to never forget, right? Or to honor them in some way. 
I don't think um, it would be wrong in, in all situations necessarily. I do think if you would do something like that, you should take caution and you should pray about it. Um, we are not under the law, and presumably um, this context was one of superstition and was more than just a memorial for the dead, but involved some sort of other occult practices possibly. But I do, I do think if you're thinking about something like that, that you should pray about it and that you shouldn't um, jump into it. This is one scenario here that's mentioned for the dead. Um, I wouldn't do it myself. I would uh, do anything else to keep them in my memory and, and to honor uh, the role that they had played in my life and the lives of others. I think that is up to you and your conscience and, and how you feel like you can best follow God. I think the Old Testament has a lot of practical advice that may seem arbitrary, but actually does have some some logic behind it. I mean, the law ostensibly was for, in broad terms, was for Israelites to be set apart from everybody around them. The benefits of not eating certain types of meat, I mean, those are real, those are real things. I agree with you, Rose, that, you know, we're, we're not under the, under the Old Testament law, but it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, that um, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Mm -hmm. So you really have to weigh the knowledge that, yes, we're not on the Old Testament law, but is this something that's going to be good for me? And as you said, you know, pray about it. And there's also the verse, uh, I forget where it is right now, but that talks about stumbling blocks that, you know, Mm -hmm. if something you're doing is creating a stumbling block for your brother or sister, why, why not just forego that particular item or that particular practice or thing so that you don't present a stumbling block for your fellow brother or sister. Considering as well that the verse before, Leviticus 19.27 says, you must not round off the corners of the hair on your head, nor ruin the corners of your beard. You must not slash your body for a dead person or incise a tattoo on yourself. I am the Lord. Reading from the uh, NET here. This practice of rounding off the corners of the hair, I mean, again, there's nobody that struggles with this today Mm. who, who is a Christian. You know, I mean, there's not like a group of people. There's not. There's probably not even a Facebook group that says like, "Let the corners of your hair grow." <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like this is not a thing in Christianity today because we understand that like this was something relevant to that situation, to that place, to that setting, and it was part of ancient Israel, and it's not any longer applicable today. Whatever the uh, verse twenty-eight means, as far as cutting yourself and making tattoos, whether it's just for the dead or it's just in general that this itself is something that we have to weigh in light of New Covenant Christianity and not just put a blanket statement on it and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Because that's not how we read the Bible. You have to read the whole Bible, not a verse of the Bible. So uh, before we get into some of the New Covenant verses that deal with this uh, issue, I do want to note a place in Isaiah where it talks about God inscribing or tattooing on his hands the names of his people. The uh, Isaiah 49, 15 and 16 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So that word inscribed is to write uh, and if you're talking about writing on your hands, it, it is figurative language, I believe, but it does sort of speak to God's utter assurance that he will not forget his people, but it does use that imagery. So it gives me pause to read that and to say, oh, well, you know, then tattoos are wrong. I mean, God's well, talking God's about... God's got a tattoo. Right. <laughs> That's kind of the, I mean, to boil it down a little bit, but there is, I believe, space for it in in even even the Old Testament. 
Right. There's also um, a passage in Ezekiel 9 where it talks about God uh, putting his mark on the people who grieve uh, for the sin that is done in Israel. And you guys just reminded me of another one, too. Boom. The one I was thinking of just now is Isaiah 44, where it says, this is eschatological. This is something that will happen in the last day. But it says, Isaiah 44, 4, they will sprout up like a tree in the grass, like poplars besides channels of water. One will say, I belong to the Lord. And another will use the name Jacob. One will write on his hand, the Lord's, and use the name Israel. That's the NET. And so this verse indicates that somebody will be writing on their hand to the Lord, which is like a L and then Y-H-W-H on your hand. To the is just included in the L there, the Lamed. And it's funny because I know somebody who tattooed <laughs> this on the inside of her wrist. And so it's, it's interesting that this is a verse where it's talking about writing a, God's name on your body doesn't necessarily mean tattoo because tattoo is a very permanent form of writing, right? Mm-hmm. It certainly could mean that. All right, so let's talk about today, uh, as far as our own considerations about whether or not Christians should get a tattoo, I think we have to ask, we have to start by saying that, first of all, God's the body designer, God's the creator of animals, people, plants, and the universe. So God designed our body to be a certain way. And I think whatever we do with our body, we need to take into consideration that he made it, that he's a good designer, and that it is in some sense, because it's his creation, our bodies, they reflect on God himself. Just like a painting reflects on a painter, or a building reflects on an architect. Mm. So I think we want to definitely take that into consideration, get some good creation theology as a starting point here. Mm-hmm. Also, for those of us um, who are believers, we look at God as our creator, but also the one to whom we have consecrated our bodies. First Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you that you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We owe something to God as creator, and then also we have chosen to consecrate our bodies to him. Yeah, I think that's a general principle, soli deo gloria, that whatever we do, whether it's working our job, whether it's eating lunch, whether it's getting a tattoo, whatever we do should be to the glory of God. Right? <laughs> I can say amen. <laughs> amen, brother. <laughs> so is that to say that if you get a tattoo, it should be glorifying God? Because that's what it sounds like. Like, don't get a tattoo if it has nothing to do with God. Like, say if it's like the number six. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what we're saying, Dan. Okay. Repent. <laughs> that's and fine. Be baptized in the laser removal. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would say as a starting point is that if it detracts from God's glory or robs him of glory or promotes something that God hates, then that, that would be a no-go for a Christian. Yes. So I, I want to set that as a minimum. But I'm not I'm not really prepared to say is a neutral tattoo giving glory to God because I feel like there are a lot of neutral things we do, morally neutral things we do in our lives. For example, how do I eat a bowl of cereal to the glory of God? I mean, I guess it's like I give thanks to God yeah. for the food. How do you tie your shoes to the glory of God? Right. I don't know how you how you how would you get a tattoo to the glory of God, Rose? 
Well, I mean, it can certainly be explicitly if your message is for the glory of God, like if it like says your friend that has God, the name yeah. of God. <laughs> then that's yeah, for you the can glory do that. But I mean, similarly, like if, I think it's okay to have a vanity plate on your car um, that isn't all about God. Uh, maybe you love the Red Sox. I think you it can say Red Sox, and that's okay. Not everything you do in your life has to be a hundred percent focused on God, but the ambition um, to glorify God really does need to run through all your motives and all your intentions. Everything, um, especially permanent choices like that that you make, it's gonna, a tattoo is going to be more permanent than your vanity plate. I think you should pray about that. I think everything that you do um, needs to conform to the will of God and his plan for your life. Right. Not that it necessarily has to be, your tattoo has to be about God, but you have to think it through and, and consider what would God think about this if I got this on my body permanently? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a baseline question that you would have to ask yourself. I want to talk about some limitations on tattoos and then come to the question of what sorts of tattoos would be okay. Uh, so as far as the limitations go, obviously anything that robs God of his glory or detracts from him or promotes something that God is against, like if you've got the tattoo that said, Satan is awesome, <laughs> that's, that's not going to fly as a Christian. There are also other considerations one is that it can be a pride thing, mm-hmm. or a tattoo can be because of pride, because you want to draw attention, or it could be attention-seeking. Right, I like getting your name across your shoulders or something like that. Where you're trying to draw attention to yourself, to show off, to look good in front of other people. And I think it's fine to look good in front of other people, but I think we have to be careful about where the line of humility is and where the line of stewardship is. So like... If you roll out of bed and you and you your clothes are all wrinkly and you don't and you smell and you're like, well, I'm I'm just very humble. Well, <laughs> you're also not very considerate and you're not yeah. you're not putting forward like a good, I don't know, image for mm-hmm. a child of God. But then on the other side, if you're like obsessed with yourself and you've gotten all these like procedures done to your face and to your to augment your body and you're driving a car that says hot stuff on the license plate <laughs> and then you get a big tattoo of like lips on your cheek or something i don't know something weird where yeah. it's just like constantly going to call attention to yourself and everything you do is saying look at me look at me look at me and i feel like honestly I, that's, i'm being facetious there but so many tattoos are for that purpose mm-hmm. yeah. to say i'm special look at me i want attention and i think we've seen this in the realm of piercings as well where like you can search for some of these images where you'll see Somebody just went way overboard. Yeah. Like the lizard guy mm-hmm. with the tattooed face and the split, the forked tongue. Yeah. Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to put a limitation on that. And I, and I feel like that's a really hard thing to, to define for someone else. Right. And as Rose said earlier at the top, is that this is really something that if you're a Christian, you're considering getting a tattoo, you have to pray about it and mm-hmm. you have to consider these questions. And going back the other way, if you got a verse in Hebrew on your on your arm or something, it could actually be a testament because people ask about tattoos. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to, to sort of have this passive evangelism going on where anybody that asks about it, well, this is, you know, a Hebrew verse that says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it could be a way to breach that conversation without even you yourself bringing it up, which if you're evangelizing, that's where you want to be. Yeah. There are these awesome two verses from first Peter three that are written to women, but I think they apply to us all because it's about the way you present yourself and it's about moderation and it's about the most important part of you, which is your spirit submitted to God. 
in first Peter three, it says, do not let your adorning be external. Totally applies to tattoos in this case too. Here, Peter lists the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Um, I think it can totally be applied to men in this case. If your goal is to honor God, if your goal is, um, first of all, to present your, your spirit and who you are as a person, as an offering to God, you will understand moderation in your appearance. You will know that that is all secondary to who you are as a person that you are offering God, and you will not find your validation or your value in the way you look or the way um, other people see you, but instead the way God sees you. Thank you for pointing that out, Rose. As far as the evangelistic opponent, Dan, I think that that is pretty much, in my mind, the single biggest pro-argument for tattoos Mm. for Christians. But here's, here's the thing. In our culture today, tattoos are so mainstream, are so ubiquitous. I saw one stat that said like 40% of people have tattoos now. Who knows? It was like from a tattoo website. So they might yeah. have inflated that number a little bit. But it's just huge and it's getting bigger and bigger. It's, it's not military and bikers, uh, bikers and veterans. Anymore. And I mean, the, the celebrities, a lot of them have tattoos. A lot of just like regular sports. people, uh, sports guys. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the Starbucks, watch out. I mean, these people, <laughs> a lot of times. There might be have, people with tattoos at your local Starbucks. Yeah. Some of the most <laughs> ostentatious tattoos that I've seen. So, or maybe not Starbucks, but the coffee shops in general. Yeah. Star- hipsters. Starbucks. Yeah. Hipsters. <laughs> What, the direction I want to head in with this is to to sort of like stamp out all the um, the negative reasons for getting a tattoo, and then like if there's any positive ones left, then it's like all right, go with God. But uh, <laughs> I want to hit the negative ones. So one that goes against God, right? Mm-hmm. Another one is if it's if it's driven, if your motivation is vain, mm-hmm. if your motivation is desire to bring attention to yourself, not to God, that is going to be an issue. Uh, then you also have the issue of career limitations. Now, this is obviously cultural. In some pursuits of life, tattoos can be very limiting, and then in others, they can be very helpful to get the job. It depends on what kind of job you want to get, what kind of field you're in. And I I always remember uh, when I was a young man, Alan Shuley, a friend of the family, who lives out in Rhode Island, very successful in the uh, pipe inspection business, uh, big uh, oil pipes and this sort of thing. And he was rising up through the ranks in his company, and he had he has at least one tattoo. I, I think he has a couple of tattoos, and they're on his uh, forearm. Mm. And I, I remember I, I must have been asking him about it or something as a kid, and he said, don't ever get a tattoo. And I'm like, well, that sounds a little strange coming from you. You have a tattoo. Why <laughs> would you say don't get a tattoo? He said... It's just really difficult when you start to move up in the world and there's a lot of attitude against them among a lot of professionals. And he said that he had to wear a long sleeve shirt. He's like doing some business meeting. It's on a, it's on a beach and they're, they're walking around with the bosses or whatever. And he has to wear a long sleeve shirt mm-hmm. because if he wears a short sleeve shirt, then there's going to be an issue. You know, there's just a bias against it. Now, of course, this is when I was a boy. Right, so that, that was, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. And, tw- 20 years ago? Oh, it was just 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it was 35 years ago. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, he, so the culture has shifted considerably, but there's still yeah. 
Uh, like Wall Street, I think there's still a culture of tattoos are kind yeah, of frowned yeah, upon. Yeah. So that's something you definitely want to consider if you're going into certain areas where you want to get your tattoo. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you get your tattoo, if your tattoo would be covered by a t-shirt and shorts, there's pretty much no job right. where, you know, unless you're going to be a model or something, but like that, where that's going to be an issue. Uh, then you have other areas of life where having a tattoo would open a door. Like if you want to be a tattoo artist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there are, there are other areas in life too where it's seen as cool and trendy and acceptable yeah. mm-hmm. and you're, you would have a leg up if you did. So that's something to consider. Then another issue is just dealing with people all the time. I know uh, one young man uh, in his 30s, he has uh, tattoos on his neck and um, he gets stared at. And maybe when he got those tattoos, he was thinking, yeah, that'd be really cool. People will stare at me and I'll be different Mm -hmm. and I'll be so cool. I don't know what he was thinking. But like now sometimes he gets really annoyed he's like stop staring at me and like the little kid in the grocery store is like mom why is what's wrong with his neck it's like that's what kids are gonna do when they see a face tattoo or a neck tattoo or even a sleeve you know a kid's just gonna point and stare and it's like are you okay with that because if not then maybe don't get one at all or get one where it's not going to be constantly drawing attention one last group of considerations is the issue of permanence, okay? And that is to say, if you get your girlfriend's name tattooed on your chest <laughs> and then you guys break up, what are you going to do when the next girlfriend comes along, right? Mm-hmm. So so it is with, with even a favorite sports team. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe at 20 years old, you're diehard for the Mets, and then after 20 years of, of getting your butt handed to you're just like i'm done with this I'm then you're not a mets fan then you're not a mets fan because it has been it has been 20 years no way no person that does that is a mets fan or five years ago you got yolo tattooed on you somewhere full disclosure this is dan speaking i am a mets fan so sean was ribbing me a little bit there then the other issue as relates to permanence is age so as you get older your skin changes and colors fade and i know you can get tattoos touched up but also the body has a way of of changing over time (laughs) i don't know how else to say that so that's something definitely to to take into consideration i'm curious like do you guys have other reasons not to get tattoos rose does dan already mentioned one of them um and that is a stumbling block you do have to be um considerate of the community you live with and the cultures that people have been in and how things will look to them I am from a super conservative background, and if I were to get a tattoo, you know, it certainly would not be re- viewed as rebellion in my heart, but a lot of the people I know would view it as rebellion and would look at me very differently. And this might not be right, um, but they w- might question how seriously I take my faith. And for me to um, just recklessly ignore that and to say, oh, well, that, you know, they're judging me, that's not really the right way for me to look at it either. I do think you need to be sensitive to the people around you and not rush out to get something that might kind of be a barrier between you and another brother um, that has a different sort of conscience than you. Um, So Dan had previously mentioned that. And um, the other one is consider your spouse. 
if you're married, if you're engaged, um, consider that your body is also for them and theirs is for you. And um, before doing anything, I think you should, you know, man or woman, you should talk to your spouse about it, make sure they're okay with it. You can go out and get matching tattoos if you want. Um, but I think uh, given the commitment that we are supposed to make um, to our spouse and how we are supposed to give of ourselves sacrificially, I think you should make sure your spouse is on board. Well, let me ask you guys a question before we move on to pro reasons for tattoos. Would you say that there is a class issue with tattoos? Would you say tattoos are low class? Uh, no, I, I would disagree with that assessment. I think tattoos, we were just talking about sports stars and celebrities getting it. And I, I don't see any class distinction between those who get tattoos or and those who don't. I don't see any correlation there. There are subclasses, though. You can talk about executives. You can talk about the Wall Street crowd. Sure. And there you are could classes talk, within classes. Right. And you can also talk only. about what you get. Like, there are mm -hmm. trashy tattoos. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah, if you have a, you know a skull and crossbones like crawling up your up your face or something like th that that <laughs> that would be to me i would look at that and be like well, you're not taking my daughter or sister out on a date you know like that that would be a problem for me yeah. i think the older you are the more you feel negatively towards tattoos mm. unless you were part of a subclass like bikers and military where they were already getting it you know however many years ago right when it was still taboo yeah, I mean, in preparation for this episode, actually, I, I, I did get to ask a lot of people about their feelings about tattoos. And a number of the folks I, I talked to were 50 plus years old, and, and they were universally opposed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Not for necessarily a biblical reason, but just like, why would you want to do that? That's so... I mean, they didn't, use the, they didn't use the term ghetto, but like, that's so ghetto. <laughs> well, I don't um, know. Why would you ever want to wear bell bottoms, mom? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, there is, there is, well, this, this leads to an important insight that I gained here, which is that there is a difference between what the Bible commands and our cultural expectations. A lot of times in Christian history, we've gotten that those two enmeshed, where if you didn't have a nine to five job and get married and have 2.5 kids, then you're not a Christian. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what do you mean you're gonna not have kids and travel? What do you mean you're just gonna stay single until you're in your 30s or in your 40s or whatever? There has been historically a lot of cultural criticism and that's different than following what the Bible says. I don't, I don't know if I'm expressing that correctly, but like there is, especially among the boomers, there is a lot of cultural negativity towards tattoos. I mean, not 100%, obviously, but like there are, I think, a lot of people in that category, at least the folks that I know. And if you're in that category, you need to consider, hey, is this just my own personal preference mm -hmm. or is this a genuine biblical criticism because let's face it, every older generation throughout history says those young, younger generations, they're crazy, those whippersnappers, they don't have any respect and they are just doing things the wrong way. You know, that's just like a typical thing yeah. that happens to us as I age. At least that's my middle age perspective, <laughs> being halfway in between a lot of these folks. So I, I think that is a concern as well. I asked my wife. Before I came here, I said, honey, if Daniel, he's our second son, he's more the artsy type. So he's, we think he's the more likely to get a tattoo when he hits like the 20s or who knows how old. And I said to her, 
if Daniel asked you, let's say he was a uh, 21, you know, he was a he was a man, he was maybe in college or whatever and somewhat independent. If he if he asked you, you know, about a tattoo, what would you say? And my wife's just like, "Well, I, I don't think he should get one." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, why not?" And she's like, "Well, I don't trust him to make a decision that's going to be permanent when he's 21 years old." And it's not like Daniel, my son. Right, it's just who, in general. By the way, full disclosure, he's only nine right now. So we got a little time on this, but it's just in general. And, and she said, I wouldn't trust myself to make a decision at 18 or 21 mm-hmm. that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life as far as permits. And, she, and, she, and I said, well, what about now for yourself? I said, my wife once again. And she said, no. She's like, I can't think of anything that I would be confident enough in to want to have permanently on my body so that was her issue that's a whole nother separate right, but issue. she wasn't tying that to a verse i mean no. that was just her that's personal cult- that's cultural or right. uh, i don't think your wife would would go to danny and be like if you get this tattoo you're singing against god i mean depending on right. the tattoo obviously right, but right, right, but if it right. was a morally neutral or even a you know overtly biblical tattoo right. i don't yeah. think she would forbid yeah. it or say that he was in sin no, I don't think she would have said sinful, but I think she said, would have said that it might be unwise. Yeah. Take time yeah. to consider. Which is a, that's a valid position. I don't begrudge mm-hmm. people who, who have that position. I just, I got a tattoo recently, actually, and I just felt differently. Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure. I'm the only one of us speaking that has a tattoo. And my tattoo is actually really small and minimalist, so it's not even like a serious uh, well, let's, let's investment. See it. Hold it up. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> well, um, you have to describe to our listeners what it what it says on it um so it's a minimalist uh design of of it's not a pair of dice but it's um it's just the, a gambling uh yeah tattoo. it's a thing it's a gambling <laughs> tattoo no it, it looks like a domino but it's a uh six one and it's tied to um a friend of mine actually did it and she gave it to me for free and it was you know we play backgammon together so there's that tied to it because I, I really like that combination role and there's also there's other things that i that i enjoy about it i like that it's combining the ostensibly worst role with the ostensibly best role six and one but together they the, the outcome is is favorable so i'm not going to go into my whole like theory about why i like it or why i got it <laughs> but uh i feel i used to feel that way where oh man there's nothing that i would want permanently on my body for the rest of my life and then it became well here's this good friend of mine. I'm, I'm good friends with her and her husband. She's a tattoo artist. This is something I was thinking about prior to, to like meeting her. And it was something where it was very much tied to the person that's giving it to me. Um, the fact that it was free was a bonus. And as I thought about it more and more, I realized that I didn't, um, I didn't have that kind of sacred mindset of, of, well, there's nothing that I would want in my body for the rest of my life. It just, to me, that, that sort of point faded in prominence. Uh, and it also helps that I'm not, it's on the back of my elbow. Yeah. Let's talk about placement. Why yeah. did you put it on the back of your elbow? I know at least anecdotally, but somebody's probably proved it empirically that tattoos are addictive. You get one and you just get more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be constantly reminded of it and, and have that at the forefront of my mind. Cause I don't want to go overboard. I don't want to be unwise about it. I don't want to be ostentatious. Uh, so it's there mm-hmm. and other people have seen it and asked me about it. My mom saw it this past weekend. Um, what did uh, she say? She was fine. It wasn't a, uh, she just, uh, what was her opening line? Well, what you got there, son. Basically <laughs> she, uh, we were talking and I, I didn't, 
I knew she would probably see it because we were playing basketball and it was, it was a church event and I was, uh, and I had a tank top on and we were talking and then like I walked away and she said, uh, wait, come back here. And so she's like, she's like, what's that? And I played dumb at first. I said, you know, what's what? <laughs> but you know, I explained it to her and I know she doesn't, I know she doesn't approve, but I, it was fine. It wasn't like she didn't make a big deal out of it. It was, you know, I explained it to her. I explained why I got it and, and it was totally fine. I do think it's very minimal. It's very tasteful. And you also yeah. made it to a point in your life where you weren't going to do anything super rash or super right. reckless or super rebellious. Right. And I'm 29 years old. I'm not 21. Like, there's right. a difference and it there. it wasn't after a, a bottle of booze. No, no. It was <laughs> you very... You found yourself waking up with a tattoo. <laughs> no, no. And it wasn't done in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this also leads into the Keegan Chandler tattoo I saw last weekend at the Theological Conference. He had tattooed on his neck Hebrew down his spine it was sideways now of course hebrew you read right to left so you can see the first word which is god's name mm. and uh then the second word you can't see it's kind of like below the collar and uh so anyhow i asked him to send me a picture of it and i'll post it in the show notes but uh, that tattoo says the lord is my shepherd mm-hmm. right from psalm 23 and he and his wife got matching ones and that falls i feel under the evangelistic side of things as far as uh it's right at the base of where the hairline is and it goes down the spine if somebody sees that they might ask and say hey what's what's that a tattoo of certainly any jewish person sees it they're going to spot it right away because the name of god is like probably the most recognizable hebrew word for jewish folks and the um or they might be disgusted and offended that you took the most sacred word known to humanity and put it on your body <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know but like there it, it can certainly open up conversation as far as having people see the tattoo and then say oh what's that and you say well it says the lord is my shepherds from psalm 23 it's my favorite psalm and what do you think about that yeah. or something I, i've really that to me personally is the most attractive reason to get a tattoo i'm reminded somewhat of the verse in proverbs 3 that talks about not letting love forsake you and faithfulness forsake you and bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of your heart. Mm-hmm. It's not super analogous, but it's to me, I think there's value in reminding yourself of that you're a child of God. And whether that's through a ritual of prayer each morning and all the different things that we do, I think a tattoo can fall into that, into that space. So like if you have, you know, a tattoo, like your friend Keegan has underneath your collarbone, every time you take off your shirt, or every time, you know, and you, or you're looking in the mirror, you don't have a shirt on and it's written, you know, over your heart or something. It, it, it's a reminder. Or mm-hmm. if you're about to, or if you're faced with temptation and you, you look at your tattoo and be like, no, you know, this is why I got this was because I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. And I think there's space for a tattoo in that context of, of reminding yourself and also being a, a passive testament to people that anybody that might see it. Mm-hmm. I spoke at a women's event in Rhode Island last month, and that was actually one of the things I was talking about. The um, topic was walking with God, and I talked about the long-distance relationship that we have, or so it seems, and um, how some of us can struggle with thinking about God throughout our day, with actually consecrating every moment to Him, with practicing His presence. And I wanted to share with them, without getting super uh, superstitious or uh, ritualistic, Mm -hmm. um, ways to bring God and the remembrance of God and the worship of God into the physical realm to provide reminders and commitment, as it were. And tattoo is one of my things. I said, hey, if this is something you, uh, if you feel like you are not committed to God, 
Um, if you think having, um, having something explicitly God-honoring on your body would help for that, that's something to consider. Before we wind things down here, let's bring in the subject of piercings. I feel like a lot of the same things that we've already said apply, but this is clearly a different practice here, different modification of your body. It's interesting that our culture really defines a lot of how we think about piercings, not the Bible. And I remember, for example, when nose piercings started becoming popular, and, and usually just with girls, and when people started really getting those, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but I started seeing them a lot. It was like a, a way for, for young girls to like rebel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I think nose piercings were totally normal in biblical times. Mm-hmm. In thinking about this, I was thinking about the Old Testament and uh, different kinds of body modifications that are mentioned in there and any meanings associated with it. And some of them do have covenantal um, meanings to them. Number one is going to be circumcision. That is a type of body modification that God actually um, required of his people as a symbol that they belong to him and that they were serious about keeping his covenant. A second sort of covenantal body modification is actually in um, Exodus 21, where um, after having um, been a slave, and again, slavery was very different in, in the Mosaic law than, than what we think of it as today. It was more a protection, indentured servant um, type relationship. If after having served um, as a slave under a master and you wanted to continue to work for that master forever, you could um, have a piercing in your ear as a sign that you chose to serve this person forever. My dad, actually, who's very conservative, sort of toyed with the idea of getting a piercing of, of dedication to God a long time ago. He never actually did it, but I thought that was interesting. Um, hadn't really heard anyone speak of that before. But we do know um, that sorts of body modification in the Old Testament are viewed as covenantal. There are also um, only um, in regards to women, as far as I know, um, sorts of, of piercings that are really for adornment. In Genesis 24, when Abraham sent his servant to go find a wife for his son Isaac, that it was a gift to bring to bring earrings, to bring a nose ring. It was um, something that you would extend um, in order to win a woman's favor. And then also in Ezekiel 16, which is an allegory of God's love story with Judah, God even says, uh, while he was beautifying his bride, he says, I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears. Um, so it's culturally bound up, uh, the meanings of piercings in that culture, but it was for beautification, it was for decoration, and God showed absolutely no um, disapproval towards it, and in fact included that in the picture of the love relationship that he had with, with his bride, Judah. Those are all good points. Um, and as Sean said earlier, I think this, the same, we're talking about tattoos, the same sort of paradigm exists for piercings. I mean, if, if you get all of these facial piercings and you have more metal than skin on your face, then obviously, you know, going up and talking about your faith with somebody could be problematic because of the way you look, because of the way you've chosen to look. And it's the same same idea as you spoke at the top rows of, of going to God and, and saying, hey, you know, I want to get this piercing is, you know, asking him, is this, is this wise? Is it, I mean, obviously ears and nose, I think you're pretty safe. But there, you know, if you get like a chain from your ear to your nose, like that type of thing, like, is that going to help you or harm you in, in spreading the gospel? Well, it's funny. As you're talking, I'm thinking, well, there is a subculture where it would actually help you 
to mm. talk to those folks if yeah. you had a pincushion face. But uh, as far as <laughs> that's the name of the episode, somebody's <laughs> daughter or getting a job, you know, an office job, probably not. So yeah, I, I think so much, honestly, so much of this subject, whether we're talking about piercings, like I could easily see a culture where piercings are considered just absolutely bizarre and abominable and they they would look at just like what we would consider very conservative ear piercings on a girl to be absolutely slutty and disgraceful and attention grabbing well in our culture it's not yeah so and, and like when it comes to the culture it's like we have a lot of freedom in christ to go one way or the other within the culture because so much of the emphasis, as you guys have already said, is on the heart, mm-hmm. is on, well, what am, what am I trying to do here? And I think if you're honest with your heart and you know where you're at and you're aware of the limitations of getting a tattoo or a piercing, then I think you can do it and do it in a way that is that does conform to Christianity. So on the question, should... Christians get tattoos and piercings. What say you, Dan? Uh, a qualified yes. If it's something on your heart to get, I would do it in wisdom, pray, maybe talk to a couple people about it. And if it's not at all against the Bible or, or as I said before, glorifying death or, or some kind of will create a stumbling block to spreading the gospel, then I don't see anything wrong with it. And the same, the same goes for, for piercings. But with the warning of take it seriously. You know, this is going to be on your body the rest of your life. I mean, you can cover it up or get it laser removed, but then why would you get it in the first place? So really be considerate about it and, and, and prayerful about it. But I'm, I say, go for it. If it's something that you want to do and you've done all those steps, then more power to you. God bless. What say you, Rose? Well, if the question was, should you get a tattoo and piercing? I'm not actually going to answer that question because I could say, yes, you should get a tattoo and a piercing. But I think the question is, can you? And I think, yes, you can. Um, assuming, you know, as Dan said with his qualified yes, there's a lot to consider and you should consider all of it and you should prayerfully consider all of it because there, there are detriments and there, there could be spiritual detriments and also pra- a lot of pragmatic detriments. But take it to God. Take it seriously to God. Make sure that it is not going to be a short-term regret or a long-term regret. Um, Search your motives. Talk to people in your life. Talk to your spouse if you have one. Wait a little while, probably. Don't run out and just get it. Think it through. Pray it through. Talk it through. Um, Read the scripture a little. God puts the spirit within you. Go out and make a wise decision. The the one proviso I would make on piercings is not to go too crazy with the gauge uh, style because I have seen two times where somebody blew out their ears and there was no going back like this is the in the ear earrings just recently i had a guy come over to the house who was uh working on the water the water system at my house and both his earlobes were just like forked dangling elongated flaps of skin i mean it was just like (laughs) so notice like the moment he walked in the house like that's all I could do was like stare at his ears. And like he didn't have any earrings in anymore. He just he just took it too far. He blew out his ears and now he can't wear the gauge. And unless he can make a ton of money to get some sort of surgery, I don't even know if there is a surgery for that, he's just gonna have to live with this like deformity on his body. And if somebody wants to get gauges or whatever, like I wouldn't say anything against it, but 
then you see you see the aftermath of it and you're like wow you know that's your your body's deformed and i'm sorry mm-hmm. you know that that kind of stinks i would caution against that i think you can get it like a smaller size and you can still go back from that i'm not really sure yeah there's a there's a limit yeah there's some sort of limit there uh, i saw a guy the other day had huge ones in and it's like he's just on top of the world right now but at some point uh, that plan could backfire as far as the tattoos go, I would say no skull and crossbones. I would say right. nothing uh, that is like promoting death and no grim reaper. Uh, money promoting like greed, promoting violence. Promoting violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, just between like death, greed, violence, and sex. Like you take those four out, like there goes like ninety percent of tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think you want to get something that is at worst neutral and at best that glorifies God uh, or that gives you an opportunity to testify. And uh, if you guys are listening to this and you have a slam dunk argument against tattoos or body piercings or you want to add your voice to the mix, we definitely want to hear from you. And I will include pictures of our beloved Dan Fitzsimmons, his new tattoo, in the show notes as well as Keegan Chandler so that you can see what we refer to here today. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope um, this has been a good conversation. We've given you something to think about. If you have any awesome tattoos, please send them our way because we'd love to see them. Last week, I met a brother from the Netherlands named Yalka. And so I asked Rose this week to say goodbye in Dutch. Hey, Yalka. We're glad you listened. I'm going to say goodbye in your language. Farvel. I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this subject. And... If you would like to leave feedback, head on over to restitudio.org and find Offscript episode 32 so that you can add your voice to the mix. Just uh, quickly on another episode, the interview I did with Dale Tuggy about his book, What is the Trinity? Eric Thomas writes, well, not three minutes into it, the Professor Tuggy sets an unbiblical standard of between Christians and heretics in asserting that if one does not adhere to a Trinitarian perspective, they are not Christians. Sorry, but that's enough to tell me that whatever may follow is most likely also going to be unbiblical. Well, Eric, I think this might be one of those times when you might have misunderstood Professor Tuggy's point of view. He does not think that Christians are automatically Trinitarian. He himself does not think the Trinity is the best explanation of the Bible, and he is a biblical Unitarian. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to get past that three-minute mark. I'm not really sure exactly what he said there, but continue listening through. With this book, Professor Tuggy has not decided to string out a bunch of biblical Unitarian proof text. Instead, his strategy is more subtle in the sense that he's trying to show people what this doctrine actually means and force them to come to some sort of position on the various options so that then they can uh, line it up against the scriptures to see if it's true. So maybe you would like to check out an earlier episode I did with Dr. Tuggy, interviews 7 and 6, where Tuggy goes through and shares his story and then also gives his primary reasons why he no longer believes in the Trinity. Maybe that would be helpful to you. But anyhow, thanks for taking the time to write. We'll see you next week. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.